today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Uh, we heard today earlier on the news conference of uh, Premier Doug Ford uh, just after 10 o'clock this morning, and obviously the tone very dark. Also, uh, Dr. Yaffe as well, uh, who, who said, uh, to be frank, they are scary when referring to the numbers uh, that we're all going to get at the early part of next week, uh, which are showing the direction uh, that we are going in with COVID-19. Uh, obviously, numbers uh, increasing uh, daily, and uh, the hospitals are starting to feel that, and that is the issue. The issue is is that people end up in hospital, end up in ICUs, and this, uh, of course, just bogs the system down. Down to the point where we're cancel, uh, canceling surgeries and heaven forbid if someone has an accident, a heart attack or is in need of something emergency, obviously the system is under tremendous stress. Now, uh, during the first wave of this, um, they built a field hospital uh, near Joseph Brandt. We'll tell you more about that in just a second. And it's been there since April. Didn't have to use it during the first wave. However, things have greatly changed during the second wave. Let's bring in Eric Vandewall, CEO of Joseph Brand Hospital, and with us now. Eric, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. Good afternoon, Scott. Uh, thanks for having me on today. So I'm guessing the fact that this has been around since April and the fact that we're just using it now, pretty safe to say the second wave is a lot worse than the first. Yes, uh, absolutely. And uh, to your earlier point, uh, the numbers and that we're going to be seeing next week from the Premier um, are going to be uh, quite alarming. And uh, it is really now time uh, for everybody to follow the measures, follow the lockdown measures, and start taking this uh, pandemic seriously. Because, uh, as you know, there's always a lag with the numbers. And so what we will see next week, uh, there we will uh, definitely experience going forward if we don't see some significant changes. So tell us about this. Uh, let's start with the logistics of it all. Tell us about this building. Tell us about this structure and, and what you've created here uh, way back in April. Yes. Uh, so Joseph Brand Hospital, um, I guess it was in March when we saw the projections at that time and measures hadn't been put into place. Uh, it was appearing as though um, we would see similar scenarios that were unfolding in Italy and New York at the time. And so we made the decision to uh, create extra capacity, bed capacity, at Joseph Brand Hospital to uh, support caring for COVID-19 patients. And all hospitals were asked to increase capacity at that time. So uh, the PRU, as it's called, is um, essentially a 73-bed uh, facility. It uh, has all the comforts of, uh, of, of an indoor hospital in terms of heating, cooling, air conditioning, Wi-Fi, uh, showers, bathrooms. However, it's a very unique model in that it is specifically to care for COVID-positive patients who are really at a stage where they don't need to be in an inpatient hospital setting, um, but they do need to still perhaps to be um, supported by oxygen, uh, medications, as well as some ongoing monitoring before they go home. So uh, that was my next question, is who actually goes to this uh, uh, field hospital, per se, as opposed to uh, being in an ICU? At what stage are you when you are in this facility? You would be uh, a patient was... was uh who's COVID-19 positive would be relatively stable. They would not require intensive care um, and they would be on a trajectory and a path whereby they're heading to go home. What this allows us to do, Scott, is to uh, decant patients who meet the criteria for the PRU from hospitals across the region. And so uh, the PRU is part of a regional COVID uh, model of care strategy that we've developed with Hamilton, Niagara, Haldeman, Brandt hospitals, uh, including Joseph Brandt Hospital 
to allow all hospitals to continue to provide scheduled surgeries and other scheduled care versus seeing those hospitals being overrun by COVID patients. And so what we can do then is decant from those hospitals to the PRU, thereby keeping capacity available for scheduled care and also accessing regional tertiary programs. So I understand this opened up this week. Uh, how, what, what is the capacity now? Where are you now? We opened this week. Uh, we've had some patients already uh, come through and return to home, which is great. And we're currently in the process of identifying other patients who would be uh, suitable for the, uh, for the PRU and meet the criteria for admission. How do you staff this? Obviously, more beds, uh, more hospital needs more staff. Yes, great question. So the entire healthcare system is really under a lot of stress in terms of staffing. Uh, all hospitals are experiencing pressures for staffing. We've developed a pretty unique model in that because it is a open area and uh, one congregate space, it allows us to kind of increase the staffing ratios that we normally would do, right. as well as it's also being, it's really a multidisciplinary care model. So it's led by our primary care physicians who work in the community uh, under the leadership of our chief of uh, family medicine, Dr. Arshad Hack, as well as we have uh, nurses, patient care assistants, respiratory therapists, physiotherapists, home and community care coordinators. So a broad array of, of care professionals that are deployed uh, to support the needs of the patients before they return home. Uh, I've seen pictures of this structure. It's certainly not a pop tent by any means. Uh, it's quite the complex. Uh, how long did it take to construct this? Yes, so you're quite right. It's, uh, although it appears from a distance as a tent, it is not. It is a full structure that meets uh, building and fire codes. It is... Um, um, fully, as I mentioned, has all the uh, comforts of home, so to speak, air conditioning, heating, uh, Wi-Fi, shower facilities, etc. And uh, when we put it up in April, uh, we went under an expedited build. So it was approximately two weeks to construct uh, last April. Hmm. Now, what about the future of such facilities? Obviously, we're not the only ones here to do this at this point. Uh, others are, are, are moving towards this. But Eric, what do you do with this post-pandemic? Is this something that you keep uh, on the back burner or do you dismantle this? Well, uh, let's uh, hoping that everything goes as planned and that we would see ourselves not having to have this extra capacity available and that uh, the pandemic does eventually uh, sunset at some level. It would, uh, it's essentially a provincial resource, Scott, so we would, could see it dismantled and um, uh, be, become part of the uh, pr- province's emergency preparedness toolkit, so to speak, and uh, it could be... So in other words, for- you could dis- so in other words, Eric, you could dismantle this and move it somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. So it's completely wow. reusable, dismantable, and uh, can be used for other purposes or the same purpose in another location. So what does it mean, Eric, when we've got to this point? Uh, obviously, you, you, you guys constructed this back in April. It must have been a relief not to have had to use it. What does it say now that you do? Well, uh, it was always viewed as really um, an insurance policy in a sense and that we wanted to make sure we had as much bed capacity as possible to support the, the needs of the people of Burlington as well as the region. And so I, I guess the, the, best foresh- the best foreshadowing in all of this or premonition is uh, if we look to the east of us and what's happening in uh, the uh, central GTA areas and many hospitals are uh, having significant demand. They're being over, overrun in some cases in terms of having available acute care and ICU capacity. Um, they've had to reduce surgeries to potentially as low as 50% of their regular scheduled care. So all of this is the PRU is part of our toolkit and our plan here in the, the region of Hamilton, Niagara, Haldeman, Brant to 
try to avoid that situation as much as possible. And so, as I said, we're scheduled care is, is uh, still continuing. We haven't had to make reductions in scheduled care yet. Uh, and the PRU is a tool to hopefully allow us to continue to, to keep scheduled care going as planned. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. You were mentioning earlier, Eric, that uh, that this facility is used for those in the later stages of COVID-19, those that are uh, recovering and, and hopefully on their way uh, on their way out of, of of hospital, as opposed to those that are in need of intensive care in the earlier stages. What can you tell us about the patients in there? Is there any? Is there a stereotype? Is there an age? Is there a, a demographic is there what can you tell us about what's going on in there in order to give us out here a, a sense of, of of what you're really under well you know the profile of um, a typical covid-19 patient is pretty broad in terms of age it could be you know we've seen as of recent in the in the second wave um, a, a large number of the demographic in the under 40 uh, demographic that's uh, in terms of community acquired spread and infection um People in hospital uh, currently are anywhere between 40 and, and, and into their 80s uh, in terms of their, their age group. So really a broad spectrum, Scott, in terms of people. You know, COVID is not, uh, doesn't really differentiate. It is very infectious and uh, anybody can acquire COVID. Many have said that January, February, March going to be the most difficult time. Um, where do you see this going in the next uh, 60 days, 90 days? I would completely agree. I think these next uh, two months are going to be extremely challenging for the healthcare system, and it's going to be so important for all of us to follow the measures, to stay home, to limit uh, discretionary travel, wash our hands, wear a mask, follow these measures, uh, because if we don't, uh, the hospital system could be overrun, and we've seen that in other jurisdictions over the past few months in the United States, for example. And we want to make sure as a hospital system, we're there for when you need us the most. However, if we get to a point where there's just no bed capacity, it's going to um, really be challenging for healthcare professionals. Uh, providing, you know, they're going to have to face ethical decisions that nobody would want to have to make in terms of people receiving care. So, we really have to act now, and uh, I believe that these next four to six to eight weeks are going to be extremely challenging. When you set out to do this way back in April and, and, and you were seeing what was happening in Europe and, and New York State and such and, and, and wanted to, to be prepared, how do you go about starting to build uh, a field hospital? Like, I mean, is that something you Google? I mean, how do you, how do you know what standards, what to do? I mean, where do you start with something like that? Yeah, great question. So, um, we knew of field hospital structures and models, and so uh, we had several simultaneous events happening. One, you know, there was the whole uh, procurement design capacity, but most importantly, we had our clinical experts lead the design. Uh, that includes our chief of staff, Dr. Ian Pereira. We have intensivists involved who work in ICU, uh, our infection prevention and control teams, nursing teams. So we had a broad-based team that uh, came together to design the PRU, and that was also based on evidence that existed from other jurisdictions where field hospitals had been previously built. And what about the decision to make it a sort of recovery stage uh, hospital? Well, we again, that was based on the clinical uh, planning at that point in time, and so, in fact, the PRU had been designed to potentially work in a number of different ways. It could, it could, it has been designed to operate as a level two ICU if needed. That's not how we're ultimately using it today. 
Uh, and if we were to use it as a level two ICU, that would be only half the capacity of the 73 spaces that we have. And so we felt that there was um, uh, a much better uh, value proposition and I think uh, impact by having the model that we have that really patients are there for no longer than 72 hours. They're on the tail end of their uh, recovery for uh, in, in terms of COVID and getting ready to, ho- to go home, but they can't go home yet. And so uh, with that need for a lesser level of care, that allow just, allows us to stage people out of acute care settings where they do need a higher level of care and keeps things flowing and keeps uh, beds available for those who need acute care. Other, uh, other jurisdictions that are in the same position that you are in and uh, how much communication between those jurisdictions on all of this? Uh, very good question. So certainly there's been interest in field hospitals uh, from other organizations in Ontario. And so we have a whole project charter developed and our model of care documented. So we very freely uh, shared that information with those looking at establishing field hospitals uh, with the hope that they can use it, that they don't have to reinvent the wheel and that they can get their capacity up and built as quickly as possible. Any idea how long you will need this? A great question, Scott. My hope would be uh, for not uh, very long at all, obviously. However, um, as we've seen with COVID, you know, it, it does. It's uh, highly infectious. We've had we're in a second wave. Um, the vaccine is going to be a, a very powerful tool in our toolkit to, to mitigate further spread going forward. I expect, though, we will have. Uh, the, uh, the PRU in place at least another year from uh, this spring so that we can go through a full cycle to see you know, how things have stabilized, what the prevalence of COVID is, and still have that capacity available should we need it. All right, so here we are, uh, the, the reality setting in that this uh, field hospital has to be put into uh, operation. The Premier and, uh, and Dr. Yaffe and the rest of the staff today, uh, obviously a very, very somber tone uh, in regard to the numbers that are coming out uh, at the beginning of, the, of uh, next week. What is your message to citizens out there? And, and you, <laughs> you know, the, you know the, uh, the drill. There's everything from those that are on one side of the spectrum to those that are on the other. Uh, fatigue is pretty much, uh, you know, embracing, encompassing everybody. What is your message to people that are, that are having a tough time with this? Well, it is. Uh, everybody has a COVID story, Scott, and uh, everybody is experiencing yeah. COVID in different ways. And so um, I, like many, we're very attuned to uh, challenges that people may be facing, be that isolated at home as, a, as an elderly individual because of, you know, not having, not traveling other than essential needs or mental health uh, issues and concerns that may be arising as a result of the COVID pandemic. So I think the message I would, I would give to people is, um, you know, we've, we've gotten through this first wave together and that has been by all of us really banding together. And, and in the first wave, there was a real different feeling publicly than there is now, right? In the first wave, Everybody joined together and said, okay, we can beat this. We're going to hunker down, so to speak, and um, follow the measures. And we'll work through this lockdown with the view that that will get us out of this pandemic quicker. And so we ended up in a very good place last by, I look back to last August, and we had less than 100 new cases per day in Ontario, less than 100, and continuing to decline. And so by relaxing and potentially thinking things are done and uh, not fully understanding how infectious this disease is, we find ourselves fast forward, here we are today, and we're in a worse situation than we could have ever imagined, and uh, it's still gonna get worse. So I think the message I would leave with people is we really have to take this virus seriously. Um, 
the vaccine is important, but it's not a cure. It does prevent, obviously, acquiring COVID. But in the meantime, until everybody is vaccinated in Ontario, which could be, uh, you know, in several months' time, which will be in several months' time, our responsibility now is to mitigate further spread. And right now, the majority of the spread is happening through community-acquired infection, uh, likely through gatherings, not following practices and measures, unnecessary travel, so I would just ask the public, um, if we all band together on this like we did in the first wave, we can bend the, bend the curve and um, not see the, the hospital system become overwhelmed because, as I said at the beginning, we'd like to be here when you need us the most. Eric Vandewal has been with us, CEO of Joseph Brandt Hospital, updating us on the first week of operation of Joe Brandt's Field Hospital. Eric, thank you so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. And please pass along to your staff uh, how grateful we are uh, in and around the area for all you and your staff are doing to keep us all safe. Good luck. Be well. Thank you, Scott. All the best. Eric. Eric Vandewal has been with the CEO of Joseph Brandt Hospital. Their new field hospital is now in operation. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.